Hello, star babes. Welcome back to another episode of Starstruck Radio. My name is Rena. I am the host of this podcast, the creator of Starstruck Astrology, and I'm so excited to dive in with you. I'll be so, so honest off the bat. This is one of those days where recording this episode is just filled with a little bit more resistance. I'm prioritizing it early in the day, but I've like tried to record three times, gotten one minute in and just been like, ugh, scratch that. <laughs> and um, I don't know, it definitely has to do with Mercury being in retrograde and it's retrograde in the sign of my natal Mercury. So as of right now, I'm having simultaneously a Mercury return because Mercury has made it back into the sign where it was when I was born. But Mercury is retrograde during my Mercury return. So it's a very intensive like um, spring cleaning of my voice almost. <laughs> spring cleaning of the way I see the world and how I operate and how I express and communicate myself. And I'm feeling that across all of my content. I've barely posted on social media this past week, which is aligned, Like, and, and we'll get more into it, but I'm just feeling that true nature of this Mercury return and simultaneous Mercury retrograde, and it's definitely making it hard for me to like sit down and zone in and feel good about my voice here. Um it's also so funny. Last night I sat down and I listened to one of my first podcast episodes ever, which some of you might know, some of you might not, under Urban Buddha, which is the larger brand that Starstruck is home under. I had a podcast called Soul Calling, and there are about 15 episodes. And I started that podcast in winter of 2022. And I listened back to one of my first episodes from then last night. And it was incredible to see the through lines of the things that I still talk about and that still feel so core to me. And it was interesting to hear how like at that time, I was really battling with those concepts and like struggling to integrate them and own them and when I was listening to that episode, I was like, wow, I really like am trying to prove something to myself here. And it was so interesting because I'm like still talk about and am passionate about all of those same topics, but this time around it just feels so much more effortless and embodied and fundamental, really. Um, and when I was listening to that episode, I really was hearing in my voice how much I didn't trust fully what I was saying and wasn't comfortable fully in owning what I wanted to say. And I, it was an incredible perspective moment because I was like, wow, I've grown. But now sitting down to record this podcast, there's some fear creeping in because I'm like, what if I'm doing the same thing? right now <laughs> that I was listening to and kind of giving feedback on last night for my episode of 
over a year ago. So, I guess we're starting this episode with a deep dive right away of what it is like to go through a Mercury return, especially a Mercury return when Mercury is retrograde. And you know what I'm going to do when I'm off of this podcast is I'm going to look back to see where Mercury was at the time of me recording that episode. Um, Oh, I just pulled it up. (laughs) Mercury was also retrograde at the time of me recording that episode. It was specifically retrograde in Aquarius. Um, And I remember from some of the earlier episodes of Starstruck Radio, I remember it being really hard to connect to a cohesive voice when Mercury is in Aquarius. That's that's something I definitely feel. Um, so <laughs> vulnerable, open, with a lot to unpack in terms of what some of these personal transits can feel like. And I'm happy to share that because Mercury returns are something we all go through. And I know that I've worked with some clients while they are having a Mercury return simultaneous or retrograde. So it's messy in the Mercury retrograde intensive. I told them, I was like, look, this this work is magical and you're going to get so many resources in this intensive to totally reframe the way you experience it and dive in. But it is messy. Mercury retrograde is messy in nature and let it be messy. If you try to clean it up while we're still retrograding, you're going to be wasting time. You're going to be wasting energy. Just let it stay messy to fully bring everything up to the surface and then when mercury goes direct and we're in our post shadow period that is the time to like okay let's organize let's start to wind this down so (laughs) that's what's happening over here um i forget if i said this at the beginning, but if you are not already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. I would love it if you leave a five-star review with a little love note of what you're liking about this podcast, anything you want to hear more of. It is so, so, so powerful when you share these episodes with a friend who wants to learn more about astrology, who maybe wants to be connected with a spiritual community. You can send it to a friend directly in a text message or just take a screenshot of this episode and put it on your story and share it with anyone who might be of interest. With that, let's dive in. So looking at what the hell happened last week, April 23rd to April 29th, I like to call that week the integration week of eclipse season. There were no major transits. There were a few significant aspects in the sky but no major transits. And let me clarify what those two terms even mean, because I know if you're entering astrology and wanting to understand it more, even those words in themselves might be like, whoa, what's what's the difference between them? Transits are when the planets ingress or move from sign to sign. They are when the planets either move forward or retrograde backwards. Okay, those are the major astrological events. And each planet moves at a different pace. So for example, when Mercury changes signs, that happens once a month. 
So it's not necessarily wild, but it comes with its shifts and changes that we feel. Whereas, say, Saturn or Pluto or Jupiter, these planets move very slowly. So in the case of, say, Pluto, Pluto typically only changes signs once every 20 years. So when Pluto changes signs, when we have a Pluto transit, that is massive and deeply meaningful. Okay, so those are the transits, when the planets are moving in the sky. Aspects are the dynamics between the planets moving. So this can be, for example, an aspect would be that Mercury is conjunct Vesta in the sign of Taurus, which means that the planet Mercury and the asteroid of Vesta are right next to each other in the sky in the sign of Taurus. Or we can say Mercury is square Lilith, which means that Mercury is 90 degrees away from Lilith. And squares, when planets are 90 degrees away from each other, are frictional, are a little anxiety inducing. But when we can process that energy, it gives us this kind of like instantaneous energy. Okay, so those are the aspects. Transits are major planets moving through signs. Aspects are the dynamics and positionings of the planets relative to each other. We definitely feel transits more significantly, but aspects kind of paint the nuance and the details of the experience. So last week, we didn't have any transits. It was, it was quiet in the sky, which was pretty significant because the week before, we had a lot. We had the solar eclipse in Aries for the first time. We had Mercury going retrograde. We had Taurus season beginning. And then we entered the next week and it was just stillness. And we've experienced this a few times in 2023. And I've almost found that the weeks of the stillness are the most shocking because we are just met with the energy that we're integrating, that we're being asked to integrate. And there's nothing else in our face to kind of distract us or overwhelm us. We just have to sit with the energy that got pulled up. With that being said, there were still aspects in the sky that then created certain nuances. But take a moment to think back to last week and really assess what that week was for you. What came up? What did you have to navigate? What were you frustrated by? What were you grateful for? And how you experienced last week, April 23rd to April 29th, is so, so telling for what you have integrated and what you have left to integrate. So I'll share personally, I felt pretty, I don't know if burnt out is exactly the word, but I felt a strong pull to pause. 
I didn't want to do any front-facing work. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, especially with Mercury being retrograde in my natal Mercury sign, I I didn't feel connected or energized to use my voice. I needed a lot of rest and I did a lot of back-end, kind of like unsexy organization, (laughs) going into my email server where I send all the newsletters from and organizing my subscribers into the right segments so that people actually, you know, get the right emails that they're supposed to be getting or that I can more effortlessly say like, okay, let's send this to all the people who are interested in astrology rather than me having to go in and manually type things in. There was a lot of, I guess what I'm saying is there was a lot of automation, but there was a lot of Automation is such a like, ooh, modern (laughs) term. It didn't feel modern at all. It felt very laborious. It felt very focus intensive, but I was okay with it because I just kind of wanted to put my head down and not necessarily be the face of anything or have my voice projecting outwards. So what that shows me in terms of what I have integrated or what I have left to integrate is that I I had left to integrate kind of the technical shifts of how I want this community to move, the unsexy work. And when I look at how the eclipses are moving in my chart, it makes perfect sense. So after you identify what your experience of last week was and what that shows that you know, you have integrated or have yet to integrate, then look at where the eclipses are lighting up your chart. So for example, the eclipse we had on April 20th was in my sixth house of Aries. The sixth house is about the the mundane, right? It's about going into the email server and automating things. The sixth house is about service. It's about organization. So like, okay, how do I need to be organized if I actually want to show up to this community and have the service I want to have? And what that required of me is like, oh, I kind of need to step away from being so front facing for a second and pour my energy here because this zone of the business and the community is severely lacking. Okay. And then we look at the eclipse that's happening this week, which is the full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Look what you have it. Scorpio rules my first house of how my expression, being public facing, being the face of something. So these eclipses literally had me realign like, okay, in the last year and a half, since we have been having eclipses in the sign of Scorpio and Taurus, I have done an amazing job of of up-leveling and elevating how I approach these communities as the face of them. And now that I've done that, it's like, let's rebalance the energy. Now the face of the, the communities is super strong, but the actual back-end functioning is underwhelming (laughs) underwhelming so 
these eclipses and what I had to integrate this week were like, let's rebalance that energy. And I'm sure that as we lean into the eclipse coming up on this week, which we'll get into, it's going to be in my first house. So I'm sure I'm going to be called back, but really called back to being a public face of these communities without overdoing it, without abandoning the back-end systems and having both front-end and back-end just mirror each other in really balanced ways. So, okay, connecting those dots is making me way more excited for this upcoming eclipse. I, if you listened to the last few weeks, you know that I had an amazing experience with the new moon solar eclipse in Aries. And because of that, it it was an amazing experience, but it was also ultra high energy. And all of last week, I just felt like, whoa, I need to recoup from that blast of energy. And because of that, I've kind of been dreading this next eclipse coming up this week. But now after taking this moment to pause and reflect, I'm like, oh no, I see what's happening. And like, okay, I'm game. Like, let's lean in. So hopefully you have the same experience when you go through and reflect on your own chart and your own experiences in that way. I want to run through some of the aspects of last week, just as a reminder, so that you know maybe as I share and remind you of these aspects that we experienced, it helps you to remember like, oh yeah, like that was really bothering me on Wednesday, and I did kind of come to a solution by it, you know, and like hopefully it helps to kind of guide you through the reflection. So we started the week with Vesta conjunct the sun. And if you remember from last week's episode, Vesta is our spiritual, primal energy, life force within us. It is the eternal flame, the eternal spark of our soul. And so when the sun is conjunct Vesta, it's this reclamation of like, I'm a spiritual being. With that being in Taurus, it's like, I am a, I'm a human spiritual being connected to earth. So the beginning of last week was like, hey, pump the brakes, slow down, ground down, and reconnect to your spiritual practices. Reconnect to yourself as a spiritual being. From there, on the 26th, so like around Wednesday, we had a sextile between Venus and Chiron. And what this aspect did is it created a lot of supportive energy flowing between our sense of abundance and beauty, Venus, to our healing, our healing journey, our transition from being wounded to being healed and healing others. So on Wednesday, Wednesday was actually the biggest day for me where I was like, you know what, like, I I just want to put my head down. I want to put my head down. And that was the day where I was like in the weeds of my back end. So, and again, to kind of share from my chart why I experienced that and hopefully it illuminates ways that you can look at your own chart. Chiron is currently in Aries, which is my sixth house. As I mentioned, organization, mundane tasks, being of service. Venus is currently in Gemini. Gemini rules my eighth house of 
depth, transformation, intimacy. So, and my natal Venus is actually there too. And so it's on this day where Venus was exactly sextile Chiron, where there was an exact support flowing through those two planets that I was like, okay, if I really want to connect in to the transformational work I do with others and bring it to this next level, I have to heal my current relationship to the mundane. And I'll admit there was a lot of um, fear there. I really realized this week that one of my biggest fears in life is paperwork, is admin. Why? I'm still unpacking that. But it is genuinely one of my biggest, biggest fears in life. It has always been the thing that just gives me the most anxiety. And the anxiety really comes from the like, what if I fill this out wrong? What if I fill this out wrong and then everything is messed up? And so I just avoid it completely and it creates this self-sabotage cycle of fear. And so on this day of Venus sextile Chiron, my sixth house being asked to better support my eighth house and vice versa, that's when I was able to drop in and be like, okay, if I actually want to hold deep, intimate space for my community to transform, to go through these death and rebirths that so many of you come to me to be supported in as you navigate, then I had to go and, and, and go into this mundane back end. So while those themes were my major themes, I'm sure that you went through maybe a similar emotional experience, but just with the different places in your chart where Aries and where Gemini are. So definitely take a moment to pause to pull up your chart, to look at that, and to think back to last week, especially around Wednesday. Like what themes came up around Wednesday, the 26th of, you know, you realizing like, okay, I have to lean into this thing that I've maybe been woundedly avoiding if I want to bring my experience of abundance and connection and beauty to the next level. Moving into Thursday and Friday of last week, we had the moon conjunct Lilith and Leo, which is kind of this beginning of the turning of the tides of like, okay, the earlier and last week was there was a lot of integration, maybe a lot of resistance I was facing. I really got the universe told me to sit down, (laughs) to ground down to remember my spiritual and self-care practices. By midweek, it became very healing, but very kind of like um, energy vortex E. <laughs> and then on Thursday and Friday, there was just this subtle lift of like, okay, I, I won things. Like, yes, I'm, I'm integrating and I'm reorienting and like i'm not taking my eyes off the bigger vision of what i'm what i'm working towards i'm not letting my emotions 
even though I'm resting, I know the fine line between resting and setting things to the side for a moment versus complete avoidance. And Thursday and Friday will have reminded you of like, we're not avoiding, we're resting, we're not avoiding. (laughs) And then come the weekend with Mercury retrograde being square to Lilith, it's like, okay, how can I rework my patterning so I can rest and not avoid simultaneously? So that is what the hell happened in the skies last week. Diving into this current week, what is up next in the universe? So on Monday, May 1st, Pluto goes retrograde in the sign of Aquarius. And I know that pop astrology has many of us thinking that like any retrograde, we should be like, oh my God, life is crazy. Pluto is retrograde more than it is not. (laughs) Okay, so we don't need to freak out over Pluto retrograde. Like it's doing its thing. Honestly, we might not even feel a massive difference. We are definitely not going to feel it on the day-to-day level that we feel a Mercury retrograde. Why? Because Pluto is farther away from us. Because Pluto rules different things than Mercury. Mercury is ultra close to us and it rules the technical things. So when they flare up, it's just very obvious. Versus Pluto is about our subconscious. It's about our transformation. It's about our fear. It's about death and rebirth. So when it is retrograde, Yes, we feel it, but it's on this deeper, wider, subconscious level. But Pluto will retrograde. And this is important, not because like Pluto going retrograde is especially important, but because when Pluto is retrograde, it's going to retrograde back into the sign of Capricorn, which if you were listening to this podcast in March, you know that Pluto had been in Capricorn since 2008. So from 2008 to 2023, wow, what a time. If we look at 2008 and the themes of Pluto entering Capricorn, that was when President Obama was elected, right? First African-American president. When we look at 2008, there was also the housing market crash, okay? When we look at 2008, that housing market crash led to a massive um, protest all around the country of acknowledging and calling out the imbalance in our socioeconomic scale, aka the 1%. Right, It was in 2008 that we actually started to see and name the 1%. And these are all themes of Capricorn because Capricorn is about power structures. Capricorn is about hierarchy. It's about growth. It incorporates these masculine tones. And when Pluto was in Capricorn, we were calling out and being asked to kind of like go through death and rebirth around these toxic masculine elements right so we saw more diversity 
We saw strides for more economic equality. We saw larger conversations about the glass ceiling and all of these conversations came to the surface. Was there necessarily the like ultra healing transformation that, you know, we hope for? Not completely, but there definitely was nuances to that conversation that had never been had before. And honestly, I think that is a win. I think that is a huge win. So then Pluto's there from 2008 to 2023, which we can't ignore. Like during that time too, President Trump was elected. Again, in kind of a complete opposite way that President Obama brought these conversations to the surface, President Trump and his election brought these same themes to the surface, but kind of through the lens of some shadow. So we, we experienced Pluto and Capricorn from 2008 to 2023. In March, Pluto moved out of Capricorn and into Aquarius. If we look at the themes of Pluto and Aquarius, what has been a big boom since then? Then Web3, ChatGPT which I need to like start using more, by the way. My boyfriend is an Aquarius rising and I swear to God, like he is so on it with the web three things and using chat GPT to really um, uh, make his workflows more efficient. And my Scorpio rising soul is like, whoa, <laughs> like, I was just going to subconsciously reprogram myself, but maybe I'll try that. (laughs) So since Pluto entered Aquarius, it's a digital revolution we're going to be experiencing. These themes of equality and the collective and the individual's role in the collective are also going to be brought to the surface, likely because of things that Web3 flares up. So When Pluto entered Aquarius in March, we started to see an escalation of those themes. And I'm sure that, you know, come Monday, May 1st, when Pluto goes retrograde, we're going to start to experience those themes in a slightly different way. But in June, Pluto is going to go back into Capricorn while it's retrograding. And it won't, it'll go direct and then go back in Aquarius in 2024. So basically from now until June is the last moments of the year that Pluto is going to be retrograde in the sign of Aquarius. So looking at where Aquarius rules in your chart, really knowing that from now to June is your time to lean into intensive transformation there. And then, of course, you know, as I was mentioning collectively with things like Web3 or ChatGPT, I would say the dynamic of the conversation is going to shift. And it's definitely something that's still integrating into society. There are people like, say, my boyfriend who like immediately harnesses it for his work to create better workflow and work-life balance and then there are people who I would say like me who are honestly pretty like scared of it <laughs> like where is this gonna go what what is this gonna mean for everyone 
And I want to say like, ultimately I do trust that it's, it's part of our evolution. Um, but change, change can be scary. And I think when it comes to Pluto going retrograde, so let's break down Pluto and Pluto retrograde. When Pluto is direct, it's more external transformation, transformation out in the world. When Pluto is retrograde, it is internal transformation, specifically looking at our fear responses because Pluto rules our fear responses. So now that Pluto is retrograde as of Monday, May 1st, it's going to be like, okay, what are all of our fear responses to this technical innovation? And how can we regulate that for ourselves? So that come 2024, when Pluto goes back into Aquarius, we feel more centered when it comes to the change that it's bringing there. Okay, let's leave it at that for Pluto retrograde. This is going to be something I keep coming back and touching base on each week, so... I'm excited to see how it all unfolds for us. I think the last thing I want to say here, and I mentioned it briefly, but just look at where Aquarius rules in your chart. And that is, like I said, from now until June, specifically notice any fear responses in that part of your life. So for example, um, for me, Aquarius rules my fourth house of emotions, family, home. So it's interesting. I'm like, wow, okay, I see how that's all lining up in my life. I'll dive into emotions specifically. 2022 was a very heavy emotional year for me. And 2023 has been lighter. It's been more ambitious. It's been more centered. It's been more trustful. But when I have days where I kind of dip back into deeper more dark emotions I notice I get really scared of like oh my gosh is this am I gonna fall back into kind of the depressive state that I was in all of 2022 and there's this like fear of like if I feel this am I gonna go there like if I don't take care of this now I'm gonna be stuck in a depressive state I can't get out of and so my assignment that I feel from now until June, while Pluto is in Aquarius still, is going to be like, how can I clear fear around whatever emotional waves I'm going through? Mm, Okay. Okay, on Tuesday, May 2nd, we have the asteroid of Juno entering Gemini. We also have the asteroid of Pallas entering Leo. So let me break both of those down a little bit. Juno is the asteroid that represents marriage and commitment. Of course, marriage is the more traditional interpretation of the asteroid, but if we, if marriage is not something that is um, important to you at this point in your life or ever, we can also look to Juno to understand commitment. With Juno entering Gemini, it shows that during this season, marriage or commitment, marriage and or commitment are going to be best supported through Gemini themes conversationalism, duality, playfulness, intellectual thought blended with humor, sociability, conversation. Did I say conversations? I said conversations. Okay. So if you are 
how do I want to say this? Any, anything you're committed to, it might be a relationship. It might be a work project. It might be personal growth. Anything that you are in a commitment with, know that it's going to benefit you to be more conversational, to bring up the challenging questions, to chat more, (laughs) to connect through quality time and, and, and chatter. Okay, so starting on Tuesday, May 2nd, conversation is going to fuel the things that you're committed to. On that same day, Pallas enters Leo. I'm so excited for this. Pallas is the asteroid that represents creative intelligence, intuitive artistry, foresight, planning. Um, I'm thinking of like, event planning like having that big vision and being like and just being in mastery over all of the details okay so for the last few months palace has been in cancer when palace is in cancer it's been actually it's been pretty like deep when palace is in cancer it's creative intelligence through nurturing and really checking in of like what what nurturing or mothering do I need in order to feel held by this larger vision when palace was in cancer I felt very connected to foresight and planning as a way of mothering And again, like mothering can be literal or like you mothering yourself or you bringing the mothering archetype to a project you're working on. But it was very like soothing in kind of an emotionally meaningful way. When Pallas moves into Leo, we now after months of Pallas being in cancer and like us learning to kind of mother our creative artistry. When Pallas moves into Leo, we get to really connect in with our inner child and have that kind of intuitive artistry or creative intelligence from this place of play, from this place of extravagance, from this um, ability to turn up the volume. When Pallas was in Cancer, it felt very like ambient beats. (laughs) And then Pallas going into Leo is like, turn up the music like let's go let's let's play let's let's play to make a plan okay on thursday that is when the big energy starts to come in we have the full moon lunar eclipse in scorpio that night technically technically the eclipse is on may 5th which is friday at 1 34 p.m eastern but I always think it's powerful to lean in the night before and you'll likely like if you're on social media and you want to connect in with you know the larger community of the world tuning into this eclipse you're going to start to see a lot of it on Thursday night or Wednesday like gearing up Wednesday but Thursday night is when everyone's going to be like there's an eclipse tonight <laughs> even though it's actually on Friday at 1 p.m but that's fine okay this eclipse is a lunar eclipse The eclipse we had in April was a solar eclipse. 
The difference between a lunar eclipse and a solar eclipse is that lunar eclipses happen on full moons, solar eclipses happen on new moons, which means that solar eclipses on new moons are more internal. It's an eclipse in our internal landscape because the sun and the moon are right next to each other. We're being guided to go inwards on our identity. Lunar eclipses, which are on full moons, are external energy, external karma eclipsing because the sun and the moon are opposite each other and and reflecting light. So this eclipse is going to be more felt on the collective sphere. It is also the final eclipse that we have in Scorpio. Oh my God, I could shed a single tear. (laughs) Ooh, final eclipse we have in Scorpio. As I mentioned in last week's episode, as a Scorpio rising Taurus sun, I loved this season of Scorpio Taurus eclipses. And I'm also definitely ready to to move on. (laughs) That was intense. But with this final eclipse in Scorpio, it's really tuning in and eclipsing, releasing karma around your depths, around your ability to transform, around your mysticism and your sense of intimacy and vulnerability. And of course, wherever Scorpio rules in your chart, that is going to tell you more about what's going to be eclipsing for you. So as I mentioned earlier in this episode, Scorpio rules my first house. So I can expect, you know, this current moment of me navigating the balance I want to have with being front facing versus tending to the back end. I'm I'm gonna clear karma and realign around my front facing voice. The the image I show up to this community intentionally with. Okay, so if you want to dive more into that, I have the Eclipse Emergency Pack. The Eclipse Emergency Pack is a two-part masterclass where I break down what eclipses even are. Like I show you literally diagrams of the sky and give you a visual understanding of what's happening. From there, we dive into the astrology of what that means, of what that does to us as energetic beings grounded here on earth. And then I show you how to find where the eclipse is in your chart and then what to do with that information. A lot of like feedback I get from some of you listening is like, okay, yeah, I looked at where it's going down in my chart and I can see it's in my second house, but okay, now what? (laughs) And that now what is exactly what we do inside of the starstruck programs, right? Because, and and it's not that I want to gatekeep all of that from all of you, but it's like, I I just need to be able to like see you and, and, and coach you basically and, and guide you through. It's more of a guided process. And so if you are looking at your chart and you're like, cool, I get that, but like now what? Or like, I get that. And yeah, that's confirming. I do feel a pain point there, but like I still feel stuck. How do I clear this? How do I make an epiphany out of it? That is what we do inside of the Starstruck programs. So if you want to join the Eclipse Emergency Pack, scroll down under the show notes and you can either get it in one payment of $55 or you can do two monthly payments of $27.50. 
So that final eclipse in Scorpio it's going to feel so good. I have not looked at the chart for that eclipse yet. So stay tuned. Um, stay tuned on socials. I will share more. And of course, inside the eclipse emergency pack, like we dive all into the aspects of the eclipse and really flush out the full pictured meaning of it. Okay, and then lastly for this week, on Saturday, May 6th, we have Ceres going direct in Virgo. Ceres is the asteroid that represents our human journey from being codependent, right? We're mammals, we're born codependent. And then this kind of like pendulum swing in the other direction we have towards hyper-independence, and that's kind of like the rebellion of teenage years, and then finding this journey back to a balanced state of interdependence. So if you remember, Sirius was retrograde in Libra, having us really clear people-pleasing. Then it retrograded into Virgo. And in Virgo, we have been, for the last few weeks, month or so, been asked to face like, okay, what really are my needs? What are my needs to feel nourished and how can I specifically nurture others? And really getting into the specifics of it. Now that Sirius is going direct in Virgo, it's like we know exactly what we need. We know exactly what we need in order to feel supported and nurtured and we know exactly how we like to nurture others. And so when Sirius goes direct there, excuse me Ooh, energy moving when Sirius goes direct there on Saturday own what you know own what you know and of course look to see where Virgo rules in your chart the when I just kind of had like the burp excuse me on the mic um I really see it as as energy moving through my body and it's so interesting because on Saturday May 6th I'm actually hosting a dinner party for some just healers and coaches and creative entrepreneurs that I have met in LA and that I feel like we have a solid connection over social media. Maybe we've only ever met over social media and I just invited them all over to my house and we're going to have a chill kind of like girls night for soul-based entrepreneurs and it makes so much sense because Virgo rules my 11th house of groups of friends and community. And I'm only connecting the dots now. I was focusing so much when Sirius was retrograde in Virgo. I was focusing so much on the technical piece of like, what are the specific details of what I need? And simultaneously, this is the part I'm only connecting now. For the last month or so, I have been like, really getting clear on the fact that I crave community and peers. And there's a difference between social life and community. Like I would say in LA, I have a very solid, accessible social life, but there's the community, there's the peers in real life that I've been missing. And I'm seeing now that like I've been answering those hard questions and getting that hard clarity while Sirius was retrograde in my 11th house. And now that it's direct, not only do I know exactly what I need out of 
community. Um, but it's, it's starting to come in. So hopefully if you look at where Virgo rules in your chart, you can see similar epiphanies starting to roll and integrate in, download into your reality beginning Saturday, May 6th. All right, so that is what we have for the astrology of the moment. Again, I would love if you follow along on Instagram and TikTok. It's at starstruck two underscores astrology and leave a review share this episode with a friend you can join the eclipse emergency pack if you want to dive in or as always book a birth chart reading and i will see you next time